You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. We're going to continue our series, Kingdom Culture, this morning. Um, We're learning about the ways of King Jesus. You know, when you say yes to King Jesus, you also say yes to his ways. And understanding the values and priorities and the, the agenda of this kingdom of heaven. That's what we've been unpacking over the last several weeks. We've, we've talked about the, king, the, the way of honor, the way of mission, the way of discipleship. This morning, we're going to talk about the way of prayer. That's the title of my message, The Way of Prayer. This is for everybody in the house. Anybody who has a desire to, to say yes to King Jesus, you're also saying yes to the way of prayer. This is the way of the kingdom and following King Jesus. This is for all followers of Jesus. Prayer is counterintuitive to the natural ways of this world. It's paradoxical. It doesn't make sense to our natural minds because there's nothing instantly gratifying about prayer. Prayer is actually, actually us throwing ourselves before the one who is able in matters that are impossible in the natural. We're throwing ourselves in our own effort, our own abilities before the one who is able. That is the way of prayer. It's the way for all of us. So I want you to imagine yourself stepping foot into a new country, a new land, a new world. And in that new place, you have to learn how to get around, how to navigate that new place. That's what happens when you say, say yes to King Jesus. You step foot, now you are citizens in a new land, citizens in a, in a new kingdom, in a new country. And now you have to figure out how to navigate life It's not just mental assent. It's not saying yes to attending Sunday morning church. You're saying yes to a whole new way of life. And so we have to figure out how to navigate life in this new kingdom. And that happens through prayer. That's my definition of prayer this morning. Prayer is the means of navigating life in the kingdom. If you want to know how to live out this life in the kingdom, begin to be a person of prayer. Figure out the way of prayer. This is it. Several years ago, 15 years ago, after I proposed to my soon-to-be wife, I fled the country and I moved to the country of Rwanda for three months. It's a great plan for any guy. Um, Propose and then let her plan the wedding and and you flee flee the country. I, I went to the nation of Rwanda and lived with my former dean of engineering, the dean of engineering, the engineering school I went to, a born-again, spirit-filled believer, after he retired, he moved to the nation of Rwanda with his wife, and they ended their life there, serving um, a ministry that provided clean water uh, to that nation. And so I, I reached out to him, asked if I could come and serve under him, and so I got to go and live with him and his wife there in the nation of Rwanda. It was an amazing experience, but I remember my second day in the country, Dr. Otto Helwig was always out of the house, bright and early before I even rose out of bed. And I remember my first morning at the breakfast table, Dr. Otto's wife was named Virginia. Virginia sat there at the table with me, and she is an amazing artist. She had drawn, drawn out this amazing map of the, the, the city center of the capital city of Rwanda, Kigali, where we lived. And she was an amazing artist. It was, it was like a, the intricate detail, like a Where's Waldo map, you know? I mean, it's just like all this, she had fun with it. And she laid out for me all the major uh, roundabouts and intersections and landmarks across the city of Kigali for me to get my bearings and understand how to navigate this, this new land. 
She talked through it all with me for 10 or 15 minutes as we ate breakfast. And then she slid the keys of the car across the table to me and said, well, you better go to the office and meet Dr. Otto there. It's like, all all right. This was before the day of of smartphones and GPS in the car. So I had my, my drawn map, keys in my hand. I had to get behind the wheel and figure out how to navigate my way to the office navigate my my new life here in this new land. And this morning, God is calling all of us to get behind the wheel and begin to figure out how to navigate life in this kingdom. Prayer is not something just for the the ultra spiritual. Prayer is not just a matter for for pastors, for for church leaders. Prayer prayer is is not just for for your your, uh, spiritual powerhouse grandma. Prayer is for all of us to figure out how to navigate life in this world. And so this is a real call this morning, a call to this lifestyle of prayer. The keys are being slid across the table to you and God's calling you to get behind the wheel and begin to figure out how to navigate life in this new world. Where we have to, we have to move on from talking about it, from people talking to you about it. We have to move on from, people, from us just learning about it to actually getting behind the wheel and figuring out how to, to be a people of prayer, to, to live a lifestyle of prayer. Look at this passage in Luke chapter 5, verse 15. This is the way of King Jesus. For, for most, most, time, most of the times when we're reading a passage like this, we, we miss a verse like this. It seems like a passing verse. But this is the way of King Jesus. It says, But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. That is the way of King Jesus. Prayer in hearing and seeing what the Father is doing in a moment, to, to be in perfect alignment with the heart of the Father, but then also retracting back, retreating to these, these desolate places, to these um, these places of prayer to get alone with the Father. It was prayer in the coming and going and prayer in the intentional getting away into the desolate places. So as a follower of King Jesus, we can't just pass over these markers of of the way of life for King Jesus and say that was just for him. This is for all of us. This is the way King Jesus lived. He'd retreat to these desolate places and seek the heart of God. So he's calling us as well into this place, into the way of prayer. This is your new way of life in following King Jesus. So we enter into the kingdom. You're introduced into the kingdom by grace through faith. There's nothing you do other than place your faith in King Jesus, surrender your life to him. You recognize he is the, the only sufficiency for, for your life. And you are, you're in the kingdom. You're, you're in this new land, in this new world. You're, you're citizens of this new place. But now navigating life in this new world is done through the way of prayer, through communion with God, through a daily living relationship. I would, I would liken a prayerless believer to being like a blind traveler. Like you're trying to navigate your, your way around this new world, this new kingdom, blind. God has given us a, a means to navigate life in this new world, in this kingdom, and it's through the way of prayer. I'm so thankful for the, the model that I had growing up to this way of prayer in, in the life of my father. For me, the, the most impactful early memories I have of prayer, 
are not my prayer times at, at the table with my family, although from what I remember, we prayed most of the time for our food. And it wasn't so much the, the prayers at bedtime, although both my parents prayed for me at bedtime. The most impactful, meaningful ways in which my dad modeled prayer for me were me catching a glimpse at the lifestyle of, my, of prayer that my dad lived in the coming and going. I remember walking down the hallway on more than one occasion and seeing the door cracked open to my dad's bedroom and seeing my dad knelt there down on his bedside, his denim-covered Bible open and him seeking the heart of the Father, him seeking God. I began to realize that this way of prayer wasn't just for Sunday mornings. There was something to my dad's faith. There was something to the way that he was navigating this life that was demonstrated through this lifestyle of prayer, through this way of prayer. My dad would oftentimes go to, to our church's Saturday morning uh, prayer gathering. And although many times I have to confess I was running around the church or in the gym playing basketball, sometimes I would sneak into the sanctuary, into the auditorium, and I'd see my dad up, up at the front in these, these stairs and my dad would be knelt there after the prayer gathering had already been dismissed and there he is in tears or he's crying out to God. I began to, I began to realize that this way of prayer is something more than the obligation of prayer that we throw up before eating food or before we go to bed at night. Prayer is a way of life for a follower of Jesus. So prayer is our means of navigating life in this kingdom. And I understood, I, under, I, I realized that prayer is, is oftentimes misunderstood. It was true in Jesus' day as well. That hasn't changed over all these millennia. Prayer is still oftentimes very misunderstood. Prayer is oftentimes misrepresented as well. We see prayer as some formal religious necessity, we see it as some formula that we just have to get gift to get right. If we, if we don't get things just right, what's, what's the point? We oftentimes see prayer as some sort of theatric uh, posturing to impress others. That existed in Jesus' day as well. I want you to set aside those understandings of prayer to realize that prayer is something much more. This is the way of navigating this new life. Firstly is this, I have four ideas regarding navigating this life in the kingdom through prayer. And first is this, prayer is a bridge for God's power. This is just a reality that we have to accept in this kingdom. This is, this is a rule. Just like we have natural laws, we have laws in the kingdom. And one kingdom with, or one law within this kingdom is that God has chosen to use people through which to demonstrate his power. And prayer becomes a bridge for God's power. We see in Mark chapter 9, verse 29, Jesus lays it out as the disciples come to him and they're, they're questioning him as to, as to why they were not able to cast out a demon from this individual. They're like, what's going on? We did what you told us to do. We don't know what we did wrong. And Jesus says, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. There seems to be uh, certain things that are relegated only to this place of prayer. 
There are certain aspects of our life of breakthrough that will not come unless we pray. That may sound scandalous to you. Hey, wait a second. Isn't God sovereign? Isn't he all-powerful? Isn't he God of the universe? Yes, he is all those things. But in his sovereignty, in, in his wisdom, in his omnipotence, God has chosen to use you and I to be co-laborers with him, to be, to be uh, companions in this redemptive work. And so there are some things that are reserved just for the place of prayer. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20 says, For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of, mus- of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. That means there are injustices around you that God is calling you to engage in prayer for the breakthrough in those injustices. There are wrongs that need to be made right. And God has invited you, you and I into the asking. Into the asking and the seeking and the knocking. He's invited us into it. To bring about the breakthrough. Prayer is a bridge for God's power. It is unbiblical for us to use the will of God as an excuse not to pray. And too often we say that, especially in our left, uh, left-brained uh, culture, we like to say, well, if it's God's will, it's going to happen. And we, just, we just leave it to that. That is a complete abuse of that, the attribute of God's sovereignty. Obviously, God is sovereign. He can do as he wills. But we, we see in his sovereignty that he, for a season, this season, in the, the re- revealing of his kingdom, that he has limited his, his working to, to then empower a people, his body, to be representation of what he's like on the earth. And so he has decided, he's chosen he's to, to invite us into his redemptive plan. Saying he's going to use submitted prayerful people to bring his will to pass. So let's stop using that excuse. I believe many times we miss out on the breakthrough. We miss out on the, the will of God being revealed in a moment because we refuse to pray. Second Chronicles chapter 7 Verses 14 through 15 may be a familiar passage to you, but it's case in point that if my people are called by my name, humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. That also means that if we don't humble ourselves, if we don't seek his face, if we don't turn from our wicked ways, then he won't hear us that he won't heal our land. That is what is implied in these commands for us to pray. So prayer is the bridge for God's power. Secondly is this, prayer is fuel for faithfulness. Let's not run out of fuel. We don't want to run out of gas. Prayer is this this place of reinvigorating and and like uh, recalibrating us to the... Uh, the central focal point of our life to the sufficiency of Jesus. Hebrews chapter five, verse seven. This is the model of King Jesus in the days of his flesh. flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. To him, he was able to save him from death and he was heard because of his reverence. This was the way that King Jesus lived. 
Jesus modeled it for us. To be able to get away to these desolate places, to these private places of prayer, to recenter ourselves, to refuel ourselves with the faith to press into grace to a greater level. We don't want to run out of gas. I almost had a dad fail in this regard of uh, running out of gas. Christmas Eve, last Christmas Eve 2019, we left here after the Christmas Eve service and tried to book it all the way up to Fargo, North Dakota. And that meant we were traveling through the night. Christmas Eve, almost midnight, so almost Christmas morning. Nothing is open. And the, um, my, my, the van I was driving doesn't have any sort of notification when the gas, gas gets low. It just has the, the gauge. There, there's no uh, notification bell or, or even a light that comes on. And it was late. It was 25 below. All the kids are sleeping. And uh, I happened to look down, and my gas gauge was pegged out. <laughs> I mean, like, it was below E at this point. And I, thought, I mean, as a, as a young father, I'm like, my heart starts racing. I'm starting to sweat. I'm like, thinking through all the scenarios. I look up, and I happen to be in this just miserable part of Minnesota between St. Cloud and Alexandria where there's nothing. Like there's just, there's no gas stations. This is actually near where you guys live, but um, <laughs> there's just nothing there. And I started thinking through all the, the scenarios of what I'm gonna do and how upset the kids are gonna be because it's 25 below and I ran out of gas. I'm gonna have to hustle down the road to, some, uh, to find something that's open on Christmas morning at midnight. This is just, this is crazy. Somehow, some miraculous way, I made it another 20 miles. I don't know how, I don't know how it happened. It's a vehicle that doesn't have like a DTE uh, monitor or anything. So like I was just running off of fumes and somehow I like uh, just kind of rolled into the gas station in time. We don't want to run out of gas. It would have been a dad fail. So it is. I mean, we, we oftentimes, like, we live from Sunday to Sunday. We, le- we live from mountaintop to mountaintop. That's not the way of a follower of Jesus. We're fueled from this place of prayer. This is what fuels faithfulness. You want to know why some believers are consistent in their faith? I want to I tell you they're people of prayer. You want to know why some people are whimsical and kind of living on this constant cycle, a uh, roller coaster of ups and downs? more often than not, when you peer into their lives, they're not people of prayer. That's not a judgmental statement. I'm just saying, look at the fruit. Being a person of prayer bears faithfulness over time. Matthew chapter six, Jesus tells us the secret of the kingdom. He says, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. There is a reward for you Monday morning in the secret place. Go, lock yourself in your room. Get alone with God. You'll find this fuel for faithfulness. For living a life of integrity, a life of consistency, a life of fruitfulness. Prayer, I believe, is this great revealer of integrity that no one else can see. It's a revealer for you. So it's not for me to see. I'm saying it's a revealer for you of of your true character, of your true integrity. Who are you when no one else is around? Who are you when you're in in your room all by yourself? Are you on your face before God crying out to him, asking him to refuel you for that day? Prayer is the great revealer. 
There's no performance. There's no showmanship. It's just you and God. It's just me and God. That's why we call it the secret place. It becomes the fuel to stay the course, to retain your convictions, to to cling to the values that guide you. Honestly, in this COVID season, this has been a testament in my life. In this COVID season where there's been no right answers, you know that there's no right answers in this hour. It's like, you're gonna make somebody mad. Whatever decision you make, someone's gonna be upset. And I've found as criticism has come our way or, or people have, have other opinions about the way we should do things, I have found when I get away with God, I'm re-centered on the convictions that guide me. This, that's what I'm talking about. This is our way of navigating life. You get alone with God and all of a sudden things begin to make sense. You begin to, to be re-centered on the values of God's heart. I'm not saying we've done everything perfectly, but I'm saying being people of conviction, of consistency, is also synonymous with being people of prayer. The great theologian John Owens, I have this written on my marker board in, in my office for this last year. He said, who I am on my knees before God Almighty, that I am and nothing more. Prayer is fuel for faithfulness. Third is this, prayer keeps our sense of true north. Prayer is what gives us our sense of bearings when we don't know which way is up, we don't know which way is what. When we get away in the place of prayer, prayer is our sense of true north. I want to tell you, this is another secret of the kingdom. Prayer is what makes this word come alive. This, this word, this book, is not just another book on the shelf, but it is just another book on your shelf unless you invite Holy Spirit to make it come alive to you. Then all of a sudden it jumps off the pages of the book into your heart, becomes truly you know, living and active. So it's the prayer and word together. You don't study it like another textbook. You don't read it cover to cover necessarily, just like any other book. No, it is a a living and active revelation of who God is that's made alive through the the harmony and the the partnership of prayer with the word. And and prayer keeps our sense of true north. Sometimes we're kind of, especially in 2020 when when so much has been coming our way, we, we don't know what's around the corner. And here in a couple weeks, obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty about what's to come. We need to be people of prayer, partnered with the word that keeps us, keeps our bearings set on true north, that is Jesus. I remember a, a good friend of mine who will remain nameless um, was on the, the 94 loop up in the city. So 494, 694 does a big loop around the cities. And uh, they weren't super familiar with the cities and if you're not attuned to which way is north and east and south and west, you could easily just go around in a big circle around the cities. Well, that happened to my, my friend as they were navigating the cities. They, they, they traveled around the 694, 494 loop for about 45 minutes, and all of a sudden they, they recognized a few of the exits that they'd already seen before. <laughs> and they're going around in circles. <laughs> They finally got on the phone with their dad and said, you need to wait until you see the, the exit for St. Cloud. Then, then please just take that exit. But, but so oftentimes in, in our walks with Jesus, we're just, we're just kind of 
we're, again, we're blind travelers and we're, we're going around in circles when we don't choose to live lives of prayer. It's what gives us our bearings and it's what makes the word of God come alive. Like we move on from the obligation of the word being um, a matter of checking it off our list to it being our true guide into truth. And fourth is this. Prayer is companionship with the Holy Spirit. We all love a road trip with a companion. And, and within the gospel message is companionship with Holy Spirit. You're never alone. He gives us the commission to, to go and make disciples of all the nations. He says, I'm with you even to the end of the age. Like nestled within the good news of Jesus Christ is also companionship with God. And prayer is that place of companionship with God. So you're never traveling alone. You're not, you're not out on your own on this, this journey, navigating this life. He is built into his way in this kingdom. A companionship with Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15 Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. That's what I was just saying, that he, he gives us our bearings or, or our sense of true north. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus was really excited to actually leave the earth and to send Holy Spirit. He knew this age to come was going to be better than, than the age that had been. This age that you and I live, this, this kingdom age with Holy Spirit, it's a better age than the old covenant. We actually have Holy Spirit, not just coming in to do a mighty work, but actually coming and dwelling inside of us. And prayer is that place of communion with God. The place of just resting in him, of sensing his nearness, of, of abiding and being at peace in him. I'm going to ask the worship team to come as we close this morning. This way of prayer in the kingdom is for each and every one of us. And for me, prayer is not even a means to an end. For me, prayer encapsulates the end in itself and that prayer is relationship with God. So this is our new way of life. This is your new way of life. And I would encourage you to say that over yourself. Prayer is my new way of life. It has to be. If you're gonna follow Jesus, if you're gonna follow King Jesus, you have to say that over your life. Prayer is my new way of life. becomes like the air that we breathe. You know that there's not a single area of your life that is outside the realm of prayer. That's why I believe prayer is the key to a healthy marriage. I believe prayer is the, the key to parenting and figuring the, the, the craziness of parenting. Prayer is the, the key to living a life of legacy for your grandkids. Prayer is the key to you managing your finances in your household. And prayer is the key to this church. I'm going to ask us all to stand across this place. This morning, 
you're sitting at the table with King Jesus. And he's sliding the keys across the table to you. He's saying, well, you better, better get going. You better figure out how to navigate this life and this kingdom. And we're going to do that through the place of prayer. You know, we're all standing on the ground that those that have come before us, they've, they've prayed and they've, they've built up. We're all reaping a harvest from other people that have prayed prayers for, for us. Like implied in that paradigm, when you begin to understand what you and I are, are, have inherited and we're, we're receiving from, there, there's implied in that this obligation then to be that for somebody else, to be people of prayer, to stand in the gap for your kids, to stand in the gap for your spouse. We recently celebrated uh, both Tanya's grandparents who passed away in 2019 for a number of reasons. We weren't able to have memorial services for them in 2019. So we recently just had them in 20, uh, August, 2020. And Tanya's grandma specifically had such a, a, an amazing legacy of prayer over her life. And I know that I stand here reaping the fruit from her life of prayer. I know Tanya does as well. Even the last time that we saw her, just a couple months before she passed, she told us, I pray for you every day. Drew, I pray for you every day. Not Sundays, but I pray for you every day. <laughs> and you know that if someone confesses the day that they don't pray for you, you know they're really praying for you the other six days. I mean, it's like, it's like a proof test. <laughs> Actually, I didn't pray for you that one day. But she lived a life of prayer. And I, I'm reaping the harvest of that. It's a life well-lived is, is a life of prayer. Remember the day that I asked Tanya's dad for her hand in marriage, for his blessing for me to ask. And uh, he said, Drew, I've been praying for Tanya's future spouse ever since the day she was born, which means that I'm reaping the harvest and the blessing and the fruit of years and years and years of prayer. And you and I, we have that opportunity to be people of prayer. This is how we're gonna end this morning. We're just gonna find a place to be with God. You can kneel, you can come to the front, you can sit in your seat. But I want you to commit yourself to being a person of prayer, to, to living in this way of prayer. So right now, just kneel, find a place, come up to the front, whatever you need to do. But I want you to have a moment with King Jesus. King Jesus, we recognize your ways of life. You modeled, you modeled for us this way in this kingdom, in this new land. And this morning, we're setting aside excuses. We're setting aside what we don't understand. Maybe what we've misunderstood about prayer. And we're just saying, God, we want your ways. But we want to see breakthrough. We want to submit to that, that way of seeing breakthrough come in our generation and in our life all around us through the place of prayer. We want to be fueled by prayer, fueled for faithfulness. Lord, we don't want to be so thrown to and fro by the things of this world, but we want to have a sense of bearing our bearings in our true north. And finally, God, we, we want to walk in companionship with you. Monday through Sunday, not just Sunday mornings, feel your nearness, but we want to walk with you every single day through the way of prayer. So God, let it be.
this morning. Let it be in our lives over every individual that's here. Activate them into the way of prayer. Call them into the secret place. Allow them to see their reward in that place. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.